If you could please open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to pick back up in verse 6. We're going to take verses 6 through 10. I'm going to read those verses and then, um, then we're going to discuss verse by verse. Paul writes here in the epistle, this letter to the Galatians. And we see here in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that what you have received, let him be accursed or anathema or what it refers to as eternally damned. Verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The true gospel of grace... As I mentioned in the last study, the book of Galatians is truly a, my favorite book. And it's because the whole book's theme is called the way of grace. The whole theme from the very start to the very finish is on the subject, the theme of grace of God. And that's why I love this book so much. That's why the teaching ministry is named after, and we name it, the way of grace. That's why we named the radio station The Way. Because it's so significant in the scriptures of understanding because it really sets the foundation of your walk as a Christian. Because if you do not understand God's grace, then you will not experience his peace, as we learned last week. The epistle, the letter to the Galatians. It was a letter written for many churches, not just one particular church, but in the Galatia area. And we see it's based on a foundation. And I'm going to give you a few scriptures here to give you a foundation of where Paul is coming from in these verses 6 through 10. As he's writing this letter out of love to his people that he's, he, he knew back here in this area. Antioch wasn't very far from these churches, and he's hearing what's going on in these churches, and is just grieving him as a pastor of what is taking place in these churches. Remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because remember, for the Son of Man has, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. God, the Son of God came to seek after you and I who were lost in this world. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. But that the world through Jesus Christ might be saved. So many people think God is coming to just condemn me for all of my sins and wickedness and darkness that I've done. And that is absolutely not the true gospel. The true gospel of grace is completely opposite. He's come to save you from all of that. God is love. And because our God is of love, it, love is giving. If your God is not a giving, loving God, you, you cannot, that's not who you should be following. God is love. That means he's giving. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his own life. Galatians 1.4, we just said it last week. Who gave himself for our sins that we might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. He came to help you and me to be free from this absolute evil world that we live in. And remember in 1 John 4.10, in, in this his love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The penalty for our sins, he was willing to come. He was willing to give of himself. That's how much love he has for you. John 8, 36, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And even out of Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The free gift of salvation literally brought to your hands, right to your feet, right to you personally by God himself. God reached down to touch you. You cannot reach up to touch him. And all you have to do is recognize that he's given you a free gift of salvation. And all you have to do is say, I receive by faith. I'm going to put my faith, my trust in you, Lord Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And it's finished. You're forgiven. You're no longer, con you're not condemned. You're not held to the penalty of your sins any longer. He took them on the cross for you. I can't wait for Resurrection Sunday already. I'm already pretty, pretty souped up already about it. I already got the you notes know, starting to go everything. Right? right from the sunrise service in the morning at 6 right to the main service. It's going to be a wild day to that day. So hang on, take your Wheaties, whatever you need, but ask God to give you strength because it's going to be a great day. Hang on with us. But Paul's sitting here writing this letter to people who are coming against him. Who have chosen to listen to false teachers versus to listening to the, the truth that comes from God. And he starts in verse 6 by saying, I marvel. I'm just astonished. I'm actually just incredibly Un, it's, it's, it's one of those unbelievable, mo interesting moments where I, I marvel the fact that you are turning away so soon, so quickly, 
The language, original Greek language means the turning away is, is desertion. Desert, like the military term. They deserted. They were in the middle of the battle. They were fighting the good fight. They were following and going forward and conquering the enemy in their lives. And they turned away from that so soon they deserted and wanted to go back to run away. And that absolutely marveled Paul. How could you not understand the grace of God and turn around and go back into the world? How could you not know the grace of God and listen to other men of the world and their philosophies? I marveled by that, Paul says. That's crazy. He says, you're not just turning away for the sake of turning away and finding something better to do. Grace is simply God's favor. God's approval of you. When you come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, he approves of you. He accepts you. He loves you. You're a child of God. That is by grace. That is a simple favor, a simple receiving and approval of God in your life. To a very undeserving sinner's. We're so undeserving of God's grace and forgiveness, but that's God's grace. The words grace and gift go together because salvation is the gift of God through his grace. Paul is very passionate here because the Galatian believers were not simply changing religions. Oh, what do I feel like today? Let me go to this religion or go to that religion. That's not what Paul's talking about here. That the, the Galatians were doing. They weren't just changing religions. They weren't just changing churches because they just didn't feel like it. But they were actually abandoning the very grace of God in that decision of following and listening to man. They were literally walking away from the true gospel of grace by choosing to listen to man. And to make matters worse, they were deserting the very God of grace. God had called them and saved them. Now they were deserting him. They were walking away from him and choosing to follow and walk with human leaders who would bring them in back into bondage. Back into the law. Back in the do's and don'ts. Back into the outward look versus understanding the inward change of the inner man. Because remember, God looks in the inner person, not the outward. We must never forget that the Christian life is a living relationship with God through Christ Jesus. You can have a living relationship a relationship with God Almighty because of Jesus Christ. A man doesn't just become a Christian merely by agreeing to some set of doctrines. He becomes a Christian by submitting to Christ and trusting him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
Think about that. The Jews tried to live by the law. They had the do's and the don'ts, and there was pages and books and volumes of what you can or could not do. And, oh, this Friday you better be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing this. And it goes, they couldn't even keep their own law. And then the grace of God came in and says, I, my love trumps all of that. I just want a relationship with you. Just trust me. And now we have these Judaizers, these religious people trying to come back in and say, yes, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith, but you also need to be circumcised. You need to find the diet. You have to follow this dietary law, the dietary rules and regulations of the law. You must keep the Sabbath. You can't do this. You can't do that. And goes on and on, putting the bondage, putting the pressure, the, this restrictions back onto the people. That's legalism. That's religion. And as we study next week, we're going to study the difference between religion and relationship. Because we're talking relationship here. We don't want religion. Religion comes from man. I want a relationship. I want to know the word of God, and I want God's power to help me to apply it to my life. So I have a living relationship with my Savior. You cannot mix grace and works because one excludes the other. Salvation is the gift of God's grace purchased for us by Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ on the cross. He paid it all, paid it in full. And to turn from grace and go back to the law or to add a little law to the grace you've been given is to desert the God who saved us. But Paul here in verse 6 is, was absolutely amazed to think. These are the people he poured his life into. Shared everything with them. Taught and taught and, and was there at the darkest of times of their lives. Telling them about the grace of God and what God has done and has paid for the penalty of all their sin. And they... This condemnation does not come from God, but it comes from Satan. This law is just bringing you back down into the bondage and, and showing you the fact that, yes, we already know we're unworthy. We already know there were wicked sinners. But we've been saved. And God has come into our lives and he's been faithful. He says, yeah, I'll be faithful to start this work in you and be faithful to complete that work in you. Do you believe that? That God Almighty lives within you as a child of his and he's doing a good work in you by his grace. It's the good news. God accepts you as you are. That is amazing grace. Because so many times people say, oh, i got to get my life straight before I go to church. Your life will never get straight. He can only make it straight. 
I need to clean up my life. You have no idea, Pastor. The roof will come down on everyone. I'll be feeling really bad if the roof come down on me because I walked in. Test God, I guarantee. I'm willing to take the risk, all of us. Walk into the church and you will find that ceiling was not going to come crashing down on you because it didn't when I walked in. And if it didn't fall down on me when I walked into church for the first time, I assure you it didn't, it's not going to fall down on you. We get really crazy sometimes the things that come in our heads <laughs> when it comes to going to church. But that's how the enemy works, right? Just trying to keep us from coming to be able to hear the simple message of the true gospel of grace. Unworthy, wicked sinners, but the God of Almighty wants a relationship with you. But he doesn't force us. Oh, how I wish he would have forced me in the beginning. But God is a God of love. He doesn't force you. He just keeps drawing you and drawing you and drawing you to him. Until you recognize, oh, he's the relationship that I've been missing my whole life. And he says, great. Let's go. Just trust me. Let's walk. Let's go. And watch him fill your life with love you've never experienced, with peace you've never experienced. And that's why Paul is going, I marvel how quickly you would just desert your, your position that you have in Christ and willing to follow the false teachers, these people who are taking you back into bondage. It is amazing. But he doesn't stop there. The good news, the, the fact that God has accepted you in Christ based on that finished work of Jesus Christ who has then put, robed you with his robe of righteousness. He's clothed you. And that he is going to continue to work in your life. And it's always that next question. Why would anyone want to place, be placed back under the strict rules and regulations of a religion? Why would anyone want to give up the freedom that Christ gives to you and me? But that's what happens with false teachers. That's what happens with false religions. Their main focus is to put people back under a, the law, under works-related conversations. Yes, God loves you, but did you do the following to earn his love? That's legalism. That's a works-based religion. Did you do the following? Check it. Oh, then God must be happy with me then. I read the Bible today. Oh, God must be happy with me today again. I didn't do that at all for a whole week. I know, I thought I was going to die. But I didn't fall into that sin for a whole week. God must be happy with me today. But I did I did stumble today. 
God must be really, really angry with me today. If that's how you think, then you're not in the grace of God. Because that's not how God sees you. Remember, Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. He only sees a sinless person. He sees Christ in you. You're as white as snow. You're forgiven. You're free. So it doesn't matter what you did or didn't do. That doesn't change his love for you. And his desire to have a relationship with you. And then to work through your life to touch the lives of other people that doesn't change it. Because as a father, if you see your child, he's going to come alongside you and kind of correct you. Don't get me wrong. His, the father will correct his children if they go astray. Like a shepherd with a little sheep who goes astray. The shepherd's going to go find that sheep. He's going to get them and bring them back. But he doesn't sit there and condemn you and, and, and everything's based upon what you do and don't do. It's based on the finished work of the, of the cross by Jesus Christ. He paid for the penalty for your sins. Past, present, and forever. Until he comes and takes us home and then we don't have to, we won't have that struggle in our flesh any longer because this flesh will be gone and we'll have a new body. But it's the true gospel of grace. That's why Paul said in verse 7, it's, which is not another. This thing that these, these Judaizers are laying this trip deal on you, it's not even another gospel. It's completely opposite of what I taught you, Paul said. It's completely opposite. But there are some who trouble you. And want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Just right here in this verse 7, you can see three things that Paul gets across to them here. First, the fact that whatever these people are teaching you is illegitimate. It has no value. This gospel they're doing is just, it's not even another gospel. It is just false teaching. You just should not be listening and touching it. All these conversations I hear all the time today, this universalism and all these other things that all roads lead to heaven and all you can pick your God or pick your religion, pick every God will accept you. That's just all false teaching. You can't be listening to that because that is just a tool of, of Satan trying to do exactly what Paul is dealing with here in his letter to the Galatians. Second of all, he says this, this stuff that they're teaching you is going to cause trouble in you. This is not going to set you free. This is not going to give you peace. It's going to trouble you. And thirdly, you can see that it's going to be perverted. It's going to be distorted. It's going to be bring confusion if you listen to this stuff to these people. And so Paul sitting here saying, I've given you the good news. Just put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, for eternal life. Just follow him. But if you listen to these guys, it, the stuff that you're listening to is not a good news. It's bad news. It's bad news if you're listening to it. I've given you one plan. 
A simple plan. And these people are trying to come in and confuse you and complicate it and rules and regulations and sacraments and all kinds of stuff. Saying you would be, you would please God if you follow the sacrament, you follow these rules and these do's and don'ts on certain days. It's just religion, Paul is saying. It's not the true gospel of grace from Christ. It's a different, it's, it's opposite of what I'm telling you. So don't think that it's, it's something of the same thing because it's not. And it's going to bring you trouble. These people are bringing you trouble. This false gospel to the Galatians here brought trouble in their lives. Imagine the confusion that it should have caused them, the trouble that should have stirred up, the, the ruffling of the feathers when you're sitting here and saying, Paul, when he left, he was very clear that all we do is put our trust in Jesus Christ and we shall be saved. We become a child of God. We don't have to do anything. We just have to worship our God and, and learn of him and grow in our relationship with him and just desire him more and more. And now these guys are coming in. They really sound charismatic. They really sound powerful. Boy, it really kind of makes sense why they think we should probably, that God you know, revealed them himself to the Jewish people first and now we're saved in Christ Jesus. And we should probably have a little of that because it makes me feel like it's this. I've done something to earn it. That philosophy, that mindset right there, should be an alert for you. If you think because you're unworthy, because you know how sinful you were and maybe still are, that you need to somehow earn your way to heaven. So if I can just do this, or if I can do this religious thing, or if I can prove that I go to Sunday, I go religiously, I go to church every single Sunday and I read my, that somehow I will get more of God's love. Or he'll accept me a little bit more. That is not the gospel of grace. That's religion. That's the false teaching of these false teachers. Because they were coming in. Just it's a, The word trouble is the exact same word you see in Matthew's gospel. You know what, where, where I'm talking about? Where you see that word trouble? There they are on the Sea of Galilee. The storm comes up and here comes Jesus walking on the water. Right? Matthew 14, 26. All of a sudden, they were troubled by seeing Jesus walking on the water. It's the same word. It means queasiness. Stirred up in the stomach, like something is not right here. Something, I'm troubled by what I'm, I'm experiencing here. And remember Jesus said, don't be afraid. And then what did Peter do? Oh, Peter, please call me, ask me to come out to see you. And, and what did Jesus say? Come, Peter. And he walked down onto the water. And well, then what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus and he took and put his eyes on the stormy weather and that's when he started sinking. Same word, trouble. Right there in Matthew 14, 26. Same here, queasiness, troubling. Imagine, here you are, you have the grace of God, you're a child of God, you have the, the free gift of salvation that was given to you, was taught to you, and now these false teachers come in and say, 
You need to be circumcised. I don't know about you, but that would cause queasiness in my stomach. It would trouble me to think the only way I can have a relationship and be saved is I have to be circumcised. That's religion. That we do not touch. If you are going to be saved, yes, you need to put your trust and know Jesus Christ, but you also need to follow a diet, some special diet. That you can only go to church on certain days. You have to eat fish on certain days and you you can't eat meat and you can't. All the things that religions do to bring you back into bondage. And it's it's a psychological thing as I, I ponder on this. It's a psychological thing for you and I that says I have to do something to earn my salvation. You cannot purchase your salvation. Salvation is not for purchase, it's not for hire. It is a free gift given to you. And I'll prove it to you. I walk and I knock at the door of your house. You open up, say, oh, pastor, such a surprise. And if you invite me in, I walk in and say, what, 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 why are you here? I have a free gift to give to you. The majority of us, if someone did that, would say, no, 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 I don't need a gift. I don't want a gift. I, why are you giving me a gift? I, I, what did I do for your gift? What did I earn this gift? How can, I, how can I pay you back? What can I do for... Do you see how our reaction is so natural? That's what happens when it comes to salvation. For God says, I have a free gift. Just receive it. And you think you can go and earn it and somehow... Pay him back. You cannot pay back the sins of your life that is required to be purchased by blood. You're not capable of doing it. That's why God sent his only begotten son to come and do it for you. That is amazing grace. That's why, yes, if you listen to this, it's going to trouble you not only trouble you, it's going to get very confusing. It's going to cause a lot of this perversion in and around this whole thing of, of religion because you're going to get start getting confused. Like, what should I or can I do or can't I do in, in my relationship with Christ? He says, just relax. Breathe in and out. Just seek after me. I want to spend time with me. Just talk to me. Just remember, every morning when he wakes you up, he's given you a new day. Why? Because he's, he's, he's like a, I can't wait. What are they going to say to me? What are they going to talk to me here? When they wake up, are they going to acknowledge that I'm here, right here with them? Are they going to want to talk to me? They want to spend time? They want to listen to what I have for them this day? That's the closeness of a relationship with God that we must have. We, we should have a desire. And when you realize that depth of love, what is your natural response going to be? You just want to serve. You just want to, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I just want to please you because I love you.
And that's the Christian life. It's not, it's not more, any more complicated than that. And then God then equips you and does all the work and really actually prepares you to do great things for him. <laughs> it's just amazing that he would choose to use you and me. <laughs> oh, some of my buddies I knew before I was a pastor, they still are with me going, I know, Corey, I can't imagine, I can't believe God has you as a pastor. I can't believe it either. I <laughs> mean, too. But that's the grace of God. It's amazing. But Paul's sitting here reminding him, I didn't invent this gospel. This is not the gospel of Paul, <laughs> according to Paul. This gospel is from God himself. I'm just sharing you, with you what was given to me. I didn't earn it. I didn't create it. I didn't make it up. I, I'm just purely giving it to you the way God had given it to me. A simple message of love of salvation. Turn with me, if you could, to the left to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you remember, if you were with us when we studied 1 Corinthians, he stated the gospel to the Corinthians very clearly right here. Here's the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to pick up here just a couple of verses I want you to draw your attention here. Verse 1 of 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received in which you stand. Now keep in mind, Paul was consistent everywhere he went. He shared the same good news, the same gospel. And, and that was important. If you heard what I just told you, it's a very important what I just said because later on in the next few verses, you're going to see why that's important. But Paul was telling the Corinthian church here as he told these churches in Galatia, he shared the gospel with them. Verse 2, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believe in vain. And here's the gospel, verses 3 and 4. For I declare to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He died for your sins, exactly the way the scriptures tell us. Verse 4, and that he was buried... How many days? Three days, right? And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul didn't make this up and say, oh, when I go to the Corinthians, I'm going to tell them one thing because that will get them all hooked right in and come into church and pay their tithes and do the work that we want them to do for me. But when I get to the Galatians, I'm going to give them a different gospel and get them hooked, get them to come into church to pay the money and to do the work. 
Paul didn't make this up. He got received, as you saw right here in 1 Corinthians, he received from the Lord. All he did was become a messenger of the exact same message he received. He gave it to everyone the same. Make sure you understand that. Flip back over to Galatians. This message of salvation, this message of the grace of God is more than just God's involvement in man's salvation. The true gospel of grace is more than just your salvation. We, are, <clears throat> we not only are saved by grace, but we are to live by grace. We're to live by grace. Day by day, we, we wake up and say, I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm, I'm not complete. I know I need to have a deeper relationship. I recognize, but Lord, by your grace, I just want to spend time and grow in that relationship with you. Not only do you live by grace, but you stand in grace. It is the foundation of the Christian life. We see that in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. We are able to stand each day solidly on who we are in Christ Jesus. Because if you don't, if you don't stand in, by grace, then what's going to happen is you're going to be this, this roller coaster emotional Christian out there because you're basing it upon what you did in the past or didn't do in the past or what you did today or you didn't do today and you get wrapped up in what the works you did or did not do or the sins you committed or had committed. You and I must wake up every day and put that aside and base our relationship with Christ today based on his grace. I have been saved by grace and not of works, unless I boast of what I do. That's the other extreme. I boast about everything I've done for God, and I want everyone to know what I've done. And you should watch and read and see my website and my, and my Instagram and see what I'm doing for God. He says, I, you, you, you're only able to do that by hit my grace. So we are saved by grace. We live by grace. We stand by grace. But grace gives us the strength we need to be victorious soldiers. 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 4. If we want to have this victorious life in Christ, living for Christ, we must base our life upon the grace. And not the opinions of others. let alone your strength and abilities. Because grace enables us to suffer without complaining. And even to use that suffering for God's glory, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. How we are to live, a, we cannot be these complaining and murmuring and downtrodden Christians. We must rise above that by basing our lives upon the grace of God that is why we stand. 
And that the complaining has got to go away because God has allowed things in our lives. God is going to look and, and bring those things that has happened in your life to bring it for his good, for those who love him. And you must understand that he'll use all of that in your life so that the suffering or whatever you've gone through, even to use that suffering for God's glory. Do you know he'll use your past failures for his glory? He is, he will, he's going to. So no longer should your past failures paralyze you and keep you from moving forward with what God wants to do through your life. Because he's going to use it for his glory. Why would you hold back what God wants to do in your life? Think of the people you'll be able to reach because of your failure of your sin that God has forgiven you, and now you can reach others who've come from that past. Why would you hold God back from doing something great in your life? Let it be based upon his grace. Because when a Christian turns away from the living by the grace of God, he must then depend on your own power to live. When you turn away from his grace, you are then making a decision to rely upon your own abilities and your own power and your own creativity and your own grit. And this will lead to failure in your life. It will lead to failure after failure and disappointment in your walk as a Christian when you trust in your own intellect and your own abilities versus the grace of God. That's why this is what Paul means when we get to Galatians 5, 4. He says, fallen from grace. Moving out of the sphere of the grace and the loving arms of God. And say, nah, nah, nah. You're in my my purple space, God. I need freedom to just live however liberally I want to in the world as I You're in trouble. Stay within the sphere of the loving hands of God. Don't be so prideful that you think you can just do things on your own power and your own ways and say, I don't need that to be in that sphere. You're fooling. You've been fooled. Or you're listening to false teachers that are teaching you opposite of what the grace of God is. You stay within that sphere. Stay within that protection and that ability like God has to be able to do in your life. Because when you move out of that sphere of grace into the sphere of law of what you do's and don'ts you're able to do, then you're relying upon your own power, ceasing to depend on God's resources and depending on your own resources. You must depend on his promises and his resources. And not base your life upon your resources and abilities. Because I assure you, you're going to fall and it's going to hurt. And when you do that, if you choose to walk and move away from the sphere of grace, then what's going to happen is there's always consequences. Ask, I ask any of you guys who've been over to war. 
you're in this, this, this safe zone. The enemy's throwing all kinds of stuff within the safe zone. And there are some risks and issues there. But all of us know if, who's gone to war, if you go outside the, the walls, there are consequences. Outside the sphere of safety of the walls of God, there are going to be consequences you will face. There's not a question if. It's just when. And God says, I love you too much to watch you just walk outside the walls. I'm going to keep reminding you, come back inside the walls for safety. That's called the sphere of his grace. And then we continue here in verse 8. But even if we, Paul says, even if I and Titus and, or, or Luke or any of these buddies of mine who have been traveling with me on the missionary trip and sharing the gospel, if we or an angel from heaven preached any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Anathema, eternally damned. Woo! Paul's now coming out with the, I mean, he's taking the gloves off. He, oh, he, okay, I'm ready. Three, three forward, a few, few elbows here coming. If anyone comes and teaches you something of the law that says you have to keep the law to be able to be saved, you must keep, and you walk outside the sphere of grace. Paul's very clear. I don't care if it's me who, all of a sudden, I'm here teaching you the truth, the, the true gospel of grace, and I turn around and I start teaching you false teaching. I should be accursed. There should be a consequence in my life for doing that to you. I have just poisoned the well of salvation for people by doing that. I have just robbed people from the true gospel of grace in their life by teaching that junk. There should be an eternally damnation for someone who does that. That's why, as pastors, the scripture is very clear. You will be judged much more harshly for what you teach my people. So don't become a pastor. Please, I assure you, you don't want to become a pastor. Unless God has given you that calling. Because you will be judged more harshly than someone who doesn't teach the word of God. There is accountability. And there are consequences for bringing a false plan or causing people to listen to or follow that false plan. But Paul says, if it me or an angel... And I know some of you all of a sudden click, click, click. I know a religion. They got that religion based on an angel coming down, giving some special golden tablets with some special golden glasses that you can only read one person and no one's seen this. And it was from the angel. And the angel came from heaven. It must be of God. No, it's not. Paul makes it very clear here. So if some false religions show up at your door and knock on the door, take them to this verse. 
Because that makes it all so clear why those, those religions are false. Because they received another message from an angel from heaven. It is not from God. Because if it preaches anything other than the grace of God, it's false. Don't touch it. In verse 10, for do I now persuade men or, or God? Am I trying to persuade God in my way or persuade men to move in my direction? Or do I seek to please men? For, I, for if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul is saying, I am not a politician here. I'm not sitting here saying flattery words and doing these things so that I can somehow win you to vote for me or to pay for me to get what I want from, from you and, and use you for, my, for personal gain. I'm not no politician here. Paul's saying here, I'm not trying to persuade men. I'm not, not going to be able to persuade God. I'm not looking to try to please men. I am really, I am just being an ambassador for Christ. He gave me a message. I am faithfully going out and sharing that message. And that is, everything else is up to him. He's in complete control. I'm not looking to draw attention to me. I'm not looking to gain from this. I am just being a vessel used by God. I'm an ambassador. I am not a politician. I don't play politics. I don't sit there and preach one message over with this group and another message over to this group. And, oh, because you're ethically this background, I'm going to preach a different message to you. And, I, and I'm not going to over here because of, of your age preach a different message to you. I'm going to give you the same message regardless of your age. Regardless of your social economic status. Regardless of what you can or cannot do. I'm going to give you the same true gospel of grace. The saving grace that comes from Jesus Christ. It's very simple. But these Judaizers were cowardly. Compromisers who wanted to mix the law and grace, hoping to please the Jews and the Gentiles to follow them and not to follow God. These Judaizers never asked the question of themselves. In what I am saying in what I am doing, in how I live my life, does this please God? They didn't ask that question. Because if they asked that question, they wouldn't do what they've been doing. And that's the same thing for you and I. In what I say, in what am I doing, how I'm living my life in my, within my family or at work or behind the scenes or what people can see or what see. Ask the question today. 
Does this please you, Lord? Does this please you, God? Or is this just all about me? And when you hear that still small voice say to you, it's just all about you, then all our simple response and the, the simple grace of God is to humble ourselves and repent and say, God, forgive me. And he guess what? He has. Just trust him. Paul says, if I'm out there trying to please men, if I'm out there trying to sway men to do what I want to do and when I want to do it and how I want to do it because I want my way, then he says, I can't be a bondservant. You know what a bondservant is? A willing slave. I willingly just want to be a slave for Christ. He's my master. He's my Lord. He tells me how I will live, where I'll live, where I go, what I don't go. He is in complete control of my life. And I will yield to him. I will seek after him daily throughout the day. Lord, what do you have for me? How do you want me to handle that situation, Lord? Where you would like me to go? That's what pleases the Lord. And he says, if I'm pleasing men, then I am not pleasing God. Have you ever noticed you can't please men? Have you noticed that? You can't please everybody? Oh, how we have tried so many times to make everyone happy and please them. And at the same time, you can go overboard in helping them and saving them through the biggest of crises. And they'll still turn on you. They're still not pleased with you. <laughs> have you noticed men? Have you noticed women? That your spouse doesn't, you can't always please your spouse. You can't. Why is that? It's because your spouse is not your all in all. Only Christ is your all in all. I assure you women, that man cannot fulfill your every need. You will, he'll never please you in everything you desire. Men, that woman is not designed or capable to fulfill your deepest of thirsts. Only Christ can fill that. So stop putting such pressure on your spouse. Because you're setting them up for failure. Show them grace. Show them love. Because God has loved you so deeply and has forgiven you and shown grace to you to a degree that you can't even comprehend today. But as you live your life of grace, you'll be brought back to the foot of the cross and say, God, 
Your grace is so abundant. You've even forgiven me of that. You've blessed me even with that. You've taken me places I never thought I'd ever be in my life. Because it's all about the grace of God. Amen?